0: Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Amen. Praise God. How cool is it to be here at City Lights? Thank you so much for... uh, but having me come and, and be able to share with you, it's a, it's a time I, I look forward to every year, uh, coming up and hanging out with, um, I know Pastor Andrew called me a friend, but I kind of consider myself family, if that's all right with you. Um, kind of like that weird uncle from the south that just visits at Christmas time. Uh, so that's me, as Pastor Andrew mentioned, I'm from uh, Kingdom Hope, which is a church down in, in Logan City. Uh, which is where God has called us, which we're, we're thrilled about. And uh, God's really um, doing a good work there in Logan City. When we first got there, we needed an armed escort. But now, uh, because of the miracles of the Lord, we've actually been able to uh, drop off the armed escort. And uh, God's doing a change in that city. I'm allowed to tease the city. I'm from Beenleigh, All right. So I'm a Beenleigh boy. So uh, I was uh, raised there. Played played grade cricket for the Beenleigh Cutters. Anyone know the Beenleigh Logan Cutters? Any cricket grade? No. Okay. All right. Don't Move on. <laughs> uh, so, but no, it's uh, it's great. I, I got a family. My family couldn't be with us today. Uh, they often come, but um, but I got a photo of them instead. Uh, so this is this is my family. We got just my wife Bonnie, and we got uh, we got four beautiful uh, kids. Um, our church wasn't growing for quite some time, so we decided to take things into our own hands. Um, but now our church is growing, so we don't need to have any more children and, uh, which is good, but, um, no, God's blessed us with, uh, with an amazing family. That's, uh, Elsie, Lowell, Jack, and, uh, Esme, and they're all unique characters and, and, um, and we just, yeah, love them. That, that, the youngest one there was actually an attempt of evening out the boy-girl ratio. Um, <laughs> but God had other plans, and uh, But she came out swinging, and uh, I feel like she, you know, she's kind of like the son I've never had anyway. Um, we call her Big Boss Bez, that's her, that's her nickname, and uh, she's an absolute delight. The reason I'm talking about her is because I don't know if there's any parents who have their child starting the first day of school tomorrow, anyone? First day of school? Well, this is our fourth and our last, and it's Esme's first day at school tomorrow, and there's two reactions in the Pillow household. It's me. I'm cheering. I'm like, praise the Lord. We got date days. We got beach days. We got movie days. I just see, I just see the promises of God in front of us. Uh, whereas my wife is mourning today. It's the first day of her last child to go to school, so no more kids at home. She's crying. And, and in sorry. So make sure you're in prayer for Bonnie. Um, because I won't be, I'll be too busy celebrating. Uh, so if you could all pray, that'd be good. Good to see the YWAMers here. My whole family's from YWAM. I'm the only one that hasn't done YWAM. I'm not spiritual enough. So, but the rest of them, I've got a soft spot for YWAMers. My grandma, my auntie, my sister, my cousins, they're all YWAMers. So good on you. God, God bless you in that. And uh, Yeah, that's, uh, that's super cool that you're doing it. And uh, yeah, all right. Are you ready to get into the Word of God? I, uh, I want to speak to you about, about, about the faith journey uh, this morning. I want to talk to you about how we journey in faith with God because most of our understanding and primarily what we focus on, not intentionally, but sometimes if we're not careful, is we can isolate the faith journey to the leaving of Egypt and going to Mount Sinai, where we've been set free from sin, death, shame, the slave drivers of our life. God brought us out of Egypt, and he took us to meet him at Mount Sinai. And if we're not careful, we can can finish our journey at Mount Sinai. And in many ways, the faith journey that we embark on with and in Christ Jesus is akin to the journey that the Israelites took out of Egypt to Mount Sinai. Now, the ultimate destination for the Israelites was never to be Mount Sinai. The ultimate destination for the Israelites was always to be the promised land. Now, they had to go to Sinai. Sinai is such an important part of the faith journey. However, Sinai is in the wilderness. Sinai is in the desert. Sinai is a moment that God builds into you things that he can only teach you in the wilderness in order to prepare and equip you to fully possess the promised land. However, in that journey, the Israelites made decisions that meant that a whole generation ended up having the Sinai wilderness experience as the ultimate expression of their faith journey. But there is always a plan in God's heart to take you into His promises. Likewise, our journey is for us to leave Egypt. We were in Egypt. We were in the world. We were lost. We were broken. We had slave drivers that were over us, the least of which was sin and death, shame, guilt, brokenness, curse of sickness, poverty. There were slave drivers that would whip us and beat us daily. But Jesus came into our life and he freed us from whatever held us captive. And he led us out of our Egypt and into an intimate meeting with God at Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, that's where God descended on the mountain that he himself came down and the people of Israel met God at Mount Sinai. It's, a, it's marked by intimacy. You see the power and the display of God at Mount Sinai, but the number one marker of Sinai is intimacy. Matter of fact, if you read in between the lines and understand Hebraic culture, you understand that actually God proposed to Israel at Mount Sinai. It was a wedding proposal. It was a marriage proposal from God to his bride, Israel. Now, cut a real long story short Israel didn't end up marrying God at Mount Sinai but at the second Pentecost that was the first Pentecost Sinai the second Pentecost the the bride of Christ said yes to Jesus proposal and that's why we are now the bride of Christ because we said yes to that 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 invitation into intimacy with Christ Jesus and so there's there's an intimate moment at Mount Sinai where you come to a surrender to all that God has for you and and, and you say, God, I I, I wanna marry you. I, I wanna I wanna have my life in you. There is moments of worship. At Mount Sinai, there is also moments of provision at Mount Sinai. God would provide manna every single morning, food every single morning. I mean, talk about room service. You just open your tent and there's your breakfast. How good is that? Praise the Lord. There is great provision in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. You got great presence. You got great provision. There was awesome protection in the wilderness. God himself would go by a pillar of of smoke during the day and a cloud or a pillar of fire by night. like he was. There was awesome protection in the wilderness. There is a lot of great things to experience in your faith journey in the wilderness. The presence of God, the power of God, the provision of God, intimacy with God, worship with God, surrendering to God, learning about who He is, having Him reveal Himself to you in power and majesty. There's a lot to be said about Sinai, but please don't settle for Sinai in your faith journey. It was never the ultimate expression of everything that God called you into. God takes you out of Egypt, not to Sinai. He takes you out of Egypt and into the promised land. Much like we also are taken out of death and shame and separation from God. We meet in intimacy with Jesus, but the full expression of our faith is always to enter into the fullness of everything that we've inherited through Christ Jesus, the ultimate expression of faith is not Sinai, it's the promised land. And this is called the journey of faith. This is the journey of faith that we are constantly on. But, but, but as much as there is an awesome inheritance for us to step into, if you journey with Jesus long enough, you will also understand that in the promised land, there are fortified cities, there are giants. There are enemies, and even though we've had the full inheritance of salvation through Christ Jesus, there is still a possessing of our inheritance that needs to also mark our faith journey. It's already ours in Christ Jesus, yet we need to lay a hold of it. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I was uh, meditating on this, and I came across this amazing, deep, spiritual, theological revelation that is just so deep. I'm not sure you're going to get it on the first pass. Uh, It takes a a well-trained, you know, pastor like myself to understand the full ramifications of this amazing, spiritually, you know, open eyes kind of revelation from heaven. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm not sure you're going to get it, but I'm just going to give you a go anyway. The promised land is a promise. I told you you'd miss it. The promised land is a promise. It's not the already attained land. It's not the uh, easy, you got it, it's already yours, no problem at all. The reason it's a promise is because it's hard. It doesn't change the fact that it's not already yours in Christ Jesus, but I want to encourage you this morning, and I know that, that that's actually not deep at all. Of course, it's a promise, right? That's, that, the promise land is a promise, right? It doesn't sound very deep at all. But but this is what I want you to walk away with that statement. is If you're finding to the full apprehension of all that Christ Jesus has purchased for you through the cross of Calvary and the resurrection of Christ Jesus, then you're probably doing faith well. Because if it wasn't hard and it was already attained then there would, no, there would be no need for it to be called the promised land. The reason why God had to make it a promise is because he is the one who is faithful enough to deliver it. We look at our circumstance and we're like, there is absolutely no way I can get my full healing, my full restoration, my full provision. There's no way I can take that, that, that land. There's no way I can take a new dimension, a new step. And Jesus has to remind us and he says, no, it's a promise. I promise you I'm going to bless you. I promise you I'm going to heal you. I promise you I'm going to restore you. I promise you your children are going to raise and experience the salvation of the Lord. I promise that the blessing is going to go for generations. I promise you that you are never going to be begging for bread. I promise you that the brokenness of your life is going to be healed in the restoration of Christ Jesus. There is a peace coming to your life. doesn't matter what your past is. I promise you that the future is going to be a greater expression of my glory in your life. I promise you, I'm going to turn your mourning into dancing. I'm going to turn your sorrow into joy. The reason the promised land is a promise is because it's hard. And if you're finding it hard to attain the promises of God, don't look at your circumstance. Look at Him who is faithful because the promised land is a... Promise, but we get discouraged in our faith journey, and then we start rejigging our theology to let the Promiser off the hook. Don't let the Promiser off the hook. Don't let God—he's not looking for a way out to not deliver on His promise. So take it as as a as an encouragement and as an ironclad word that you can stand on the faithfulness of God. The Promised Land is a promise, and He will. See you into it. But that's easier said than done, right? Because right now we're in church. You've got a preacher up the front. You've got Naomi leading beautiful worship, right? It's, it's easy in this environment. We're all surrounded in an environment of faith. But when you're Monday morning, when you're Wednesday, when you're in the midst of brokenness, when you're in the midst of life kicking you in the gut, you've got to remember the promised land is a promise, and I'm not going to judge him who is faithful on my circumstance. I'm going to judge him who is faithful based on his demonstration of his faithfulness that he is revealed through his word. We've got a saying at Kingdom Hope, and we say it this way, our prayer life will never be shaped by what we can see. Our prayer life will always be shaped by what we know of heaven. I know Jesus is faithful. I know that he has already given me everything that is mine, the full inheritance of the kingdom of God. And my job is just to keep walking forward into his promises. Why? Because the promised land is a promise. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's get into some scripture. Let's have a read of, of what these, these people called the Israelites actually experience in the book of Joshua. And, and, and we're going to break it down as we go along. All right, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I just want to pause right there and I just want to just highlight just a couple of things that are already being revealed to us in this, in this passage. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with the story of the Israelites, uh, Moses was part of the generation that actually wasn't permitted to enter into the promised land, That that, that even Moses, the leader who took the people of Israel out of Egypt and to that Sinai moment and led them in, around the wilderness and, and won many great victories through God. Even he wasn't allowed into the promised land. It was Joshua uh, is the one who actually led the people of God into the promised land. And there came a moment uh, where, where, where God actually said, okay, now is the time. And and, and Moses uh, passed away and, and God said, now, now you've got to understand, Moses, my servant is dead. Arise. And go and take what is already yours. And, and I feel there's a t- there's a moment in all of our faith journeys where, where we, we need to recognize the moments that we need to let go of what is already dead, what is already gone, in order to possess the new of what Jesus is taking us into. But often we can cling to what is good at the sacrifice of what is great. Moses was was very good. In matter of fact, the way the Hebrew is rendered here, it says Moses, my servant. It's a term of endearment. It's only used rarely in the Bible. It's used for Moses around about 13 times. It's used for King David. It's used for the servant in Isaiah, which is alluding to Jesus, the Messiah. And it's used of Joshua at the end of the book of Joshua. But Moses, my servant, is, a, is very much a term that is, that is used for people that God had a great endearment for, or for people who were held in high esteem in the kingdom of God. And so this statement of Moses, my servant is dead, is not a statement that speaks to the character or the quality of what God had used before, because what God had used before was amazing. There were There were miracles in Egypt. There were miracles of the Red Sea, miracles in the wilderness. And that was a demonstration of God's faithfulness and his goodness in the season that he had you in at that time. But don't cling to what God has done before as the sole source of your faith and demonstration of your testimony. Set your eyes on what God has called you into, even though it is greater, even though it is higher, even though it is a new dimension of faith, even though there is a greater battle that needs to be performed, even though there is a greater expression of His goodness that you need to step into, understand that what God had done in the past is a testimony but what you need to step into is a greater expression of everything that God had prepared for you. Moses, my servant, is dead. Arise and go and possess. Uh, What annoys me about faith, which I'm going to talk to God when I get to heaven about, is you never arrive in faith. It is so annoying that you never arrive in faith. There is moments where you, you count on God's faithfulness and you achieve and you get the answered prayer and you get the victory. And you haven't even got your hands in the air to praise God for the present victory. And God's like, okay, next battle. And you're like, far out, Jesus. Like, can't we just like enjoy this moment? Haven't I arrived? Haven't I won? Haven't I? is isn't like, can't I just set up camp here? And God's like, no, don't set up camp here. Moses, my servant is dead. Arise and go and possess There is always a greater expression of God's grace that he's wanting you to step into. You've never reached the fullness of God's love in your life. There is always a greater expression of healing, a greater expression of restoration, a greater expression of his faithfulness. You will never understand the manifold wisdom of God that he demonstrated when he gave the full inheritance of the kingdom to the the church of Jesus Christ. I reckon nobody, nobody, let me, let me understand, nobody's going to get to heaven and, and just walk in and do this. Thought it'd be better than this. Nobody is going to get to heaven and, and think that everyone's going to get to heaven and going to be like, oh my, oh my dear Lord Jesus. And he's going to be like, yeah. And you're like, no, no, it's just a saying. I had no idea. The amazing grace that you had. I had no idea the full expression of your glory. I had no idea just how beautiful your manifold wisdom is. I had no idea everything that you prepared for me before the foundations of the world. It is going to blow our mind. Matter of fact, God even says it this way through the Apostle Paul. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart the things that God has in store for you. Yet we let our present day circumstance minimize the power of God in our life and we stop attaining and shooting for the promises and the full expression of our inheritance through Christ Jesus. And we start settling for Sinai because we're happy with the goodness of Moses when God wants to talk, uh, take us into the greatness of his promise. Moses, my servant, is dead, and there's some things in our life that we need to just let go. We need to stop hanging on to yesterday, and we need to realize that I need to take another step in faith. Another victory awaits for me because I live in Christ Jesus. And maybe this is your year to do that. Maybe 24 is the year that you step into a greater expression of God's glory, and maybe life has given you a, a, a couple of punches in the kidneys and, and you're kind of catching your breath a little bit. And you're kind of like, man, I just, life's been a bit rough lately. But that's okay. I want you to know, once again, the promised land is a promise. You're probably doing faith well. You're, you're probably stepping out your faith in Christ Jesus because you're never moved by your circumstance. We're always moved by what heaven's standard is over our life. We, don't, we, don't, we are convinced by what we see, we're moved by what we know of Christ Jesus, right? And, and so this year has to be a year where we're like, I, I know that God was faithful in the past and Moses was great, but I've got a greater expression of Christ Jesus waiting for me. Let, let's move on. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, arise, go this Jordan, you and all the people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. When did, when did the people of Israel get, the, get their promised land? When, were, when was Israel given the land of promise while they were still in Egypt? When did they possess it once they actually tread their foot upon it? The promises of God were given to you through Christ Jesus at the cross of Calvary. But when do you apprehend them? When you lay hold of them. Yeah they 're already yours, but you 've got to lay hold of them. Let me give you an example of this let's let 's quickly turn to ephesians let 's turn to ephesians there 's many comparisons between Ephesians and the book of joshua they 're actually quite Uh, similar in many of the ways in which they're outworked. It's very much a physical, historical journey for Israel, but it's very much a spiritual, metaphorical journey for the believer. And let's have a look at Ephesians 1. Let's start in verse 3. It says this, Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So you've already received every spiritual blessing. Anybody waiting for a blessing from Jesus? No, you've already got it. Trick question. Right? See if you're paying attention. You were. You all passed. Well done. You've already received every single... You're not waiting on another spiritual blessing. But have you apprehended every spiritual blessing that you've received through Christ Jesus? No, of course not. That's what we call the faith journey. And the promised land is a promise. So we've received it, but we need to step it out. Let's keep reading. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. You were chosen before time even began. The people of Israel were also God's chosen people, chosen before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise, the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him. In who? In Jesus We have redemption through his blood. I love that song. I lent over to Pastor Andrew. Who who sings that song about the blood? I love that song. It's the first time I heard that. But it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that we've got the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which had made known to us all in wisdom and prudence, having made us known the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure that he purposed in himself. Now there's a Paul is like going to town on... Theological concepts here in Ephesians 1, right? And, and the way he structures that whole book is he basically goes 1, 2, and 3 are theological foundations. 4, 5, and 6 are practical applications, right? So in chapter 1, he's like 10 out of 10 theology here. He's saying, look, like, just like Israel, the church was chosen before the foundations of the world. And just like Israel, the promises that they received in the promised land were not given to them by their own performance. They were given to them because they were chosen in God, Just like the church, you've received the fullness of the inheritance of the kingdom of God because you've been chosen in Christ. It's not because of your performance. It's by the grace of God. But like the people of Israel, you need to apprehend and have an experiential reality that is defined by your Christian living. In other words, don't let it just be mental ascension that you have the promises of God. Live out the promises of God in a practical way, which is why Ephesians 6, when Paul is talking practice, he's talking in military terms. He's saying, put on the whole armor of God. Make sure you got the sword of the Spirit. Make sure you got the shield of faith. Make sure you got truth girding around your whole body. Why? Because there is a fight that is needed in order to apprehend the full promises of God that you already have received through Christ Jesus. Now, this is very much a paradox. How can you fight for what you've already received? Well, one of the main. Ways in which we settle this paradox is in the concept of rest. Now, this often doesn't work for Aussie audiences because we think rest and we're thinking beach, 40s, pluggers. But in actual fact, the biblical term for rest is very much a rich term which talks about the presence of God, the protection of God, The provision of God, which is why when Jesus came, he said, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. He wasn't talking about a beach holiday. He wasn't talking about a cruise over in the Caribbean. He was talking about, come to me and you'll have the presence of God. Come to me and you'll have the provision of heaven. Come to me and I will be your protection. But in order to do that, We need to strive at resting. Why? Because human propensity is for us to take control. Human propensity is for us to put our hands on things. But Jesus is saying, come to me and let my hand guide you. Control is the enemy of lordship. The lordship of Jesus Christ, the lordship of Holy Spirit, the lordship of Father in our life is what we need to work at relentlessly. And when we work at the resting in the Lordship, His Word, His Spirit, and His faithfulness over our life, then we enter into a greater expression of His presence, His power, and His protection. So we strive at resting. We work at Submission to the Lordship of God, instead of us trying to control everything ourselves and putting our hands on things. Likewise, Israel, who fought for Israel at the Battle of Jericho, it was Jesus. Jesus fought at the Battle of Jericho. I mean, but watch this: the people of Israel had to actually walk around Jericho in order to possess the land. The battle was won in Jesus, but the people of Israel had to walk out that faith. Let, let's uh, let's. Pick the pace up a little bit here in verse 4. It says, From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, that shall be your territory. Now, once again, in order for you to understand uh, what Jesus is saying there, what God is saying there in Scripture, basically what he's saying is that that's a very large territory. And Israel is actually still to this day never occupied that whole territory. Even though it was fully given to them while they were still in Egypt, possession was always done through God. They possessed it through God. They occupied it through their own obedience. And because of their lack of obedience and their lack of faith, they've never occupied the full territory. They will through Jesus when he returns. That promise will be fulfilled. But the actual possession is is because of God's faithfulness. The occupation is is because of, or lack of occupation, I should say, is because of Israel's faithfulness. Hebrews talks about this, if you want to see the full conclusion of this, Hebrews talks about this, that Hebrews 4, it says, now Israel didn't enter the land of rest because of their lack of faith and unbelief. But then Paul goes on to say, or the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, but we have entered that rest, why? Because of Christ's faithfulness and Christ's obedience, because he was obedient at the cross. We now have entered into that promise, entered into that rest. The other thing I just want to point out here, so in other words, it's great and precious, the promises of Jesus. It's a big land. It's a vast land. It's not just this little territory. That land that's outlined there, like goes into Syria, it goes into Jordan, it goes down into Egypt. It, it's a big, big land that is being talked about. There's even parts of Lebanon mentioned that. It's a much bigger land than what you're occupying. Much like our faith journey, there is a much greater possession of God's promises than what you currently occupy. They were, we possess them through Christ Jesus' obedience and faithfulness, but we take them through our obedience and faithfulness. Just like Israel, there's, there's, there's no differences in our journey. It also mentions the Hittites there. Now, there's actually a whole bunch of ites that live or were occupying the land before Israel got there. But the way, once again, the way you kind of miss it in the English, the way the Hebrew structures it, it actually, it's it's a literary device that is used there that that encapsulates all the enemies that were in the land. It says one name, says the Hittites, but the way it's structured in Hebrew, it, it outlines the fact that all enemies have been delivered to Israel, that Christ has defeated all enemies. And I want that to be a word of encouragement to you this morning. Yeah, there are enemies to face in the promised land. There are battles that need fighting. But Jesus hasn't defeated some of your enemies. He hasn't defeated even the majority of your enemies. Christ Jesus has defeated every single enemy that has leveled an accusation against the people of God and has tried to dispossess them of the promises of Jesus. Every enemy you're about to face has already been defeated in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean you don't need to face them. It doesn't mean that there's no giants in the land. But what it does mean is that they're already defeated through Christ Jesus. He's given you the land and he's defeated all the enemies. Now you've got to step out. You've got to cross the Jordan. You've got to say, this land is mine. Number five, no man shall be able, verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to the people you shall divide as an inheritance. I just want you to just quickly say that word inheritance. We're going to come back to that, the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. That word inheritance there, uh, that that can be rendered possession. Matter of fact, the New American Standard Version does actually translate that possession. And And, and this is what I want you to... Think about as we step into 2024. What have you received as an inheritance that you need to take as a possession? What promise in Christ Jesus is your inheritance because of His faithfulness and obedience, but because of your faithfulness and obedience, you need to take possession of? Inheritance is the same as and equates to in faith the term possession. You've inherited it. But you need to possess it. It's yours in Christ Jesus. Now lay a hold of it. You've already been given it. Now make sure you receive it. And that is an action of faith. And what that looks like to you. Once again, that's really a conversation between you and Holy Spirit. That's what we're about to do in a couple of moments. We're just going to ask Holy Spirit, what do you want me to let go of? Moses, my servant is dead. And, And it may be good. It may be a beautiful expression of God's faithfulness in your life, but it was what God was doing yesterday, and He wants to call you into a greater tomorrow. Or it may not be good. It may be a past hurt. It may be a past trauma. It may be something that is in your past that that is that is being that has been dragging you back and, and dispossessing you of the promises, drawing you into uh, 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 the enemies of the past, and and God wants to say no. That part of your life is dead. It's gone. I've dealt with it. It's under the blood. Moses, my servant, is dead. Get up and arise, possess the land. So we're going to ask Holy Spirit in a couple of moments. God, what do, you, what do you want me to let go? What, what do you want me to surrender to you and to your Lordship in order that I can arise and step into a greater expression of your promise in your life? I've already received it as an inheritance, but I want to take it as a possession. Why don't we stand together in the presence of the Lord? What does this look like on a Monday? Spirituality is actually often more practical than what we give credence to, but our Western-trained thinking lends us to an expression to only think about our faith instead of living out our faith, making it an experience. I I turned 40 last year, which means I'm an old man now. So as an old man, let me tell you, that sometimes, us old men, Pastor Andrew, you know this. <laughs> we, can, we can mutter old man mutterings, right? And, and, and when the book of Joshua says, meditate on the book of the law. Meditate on the instruction and the revealed word of God. What it what it actually means it, it it actually in our probably English better way of saying it is 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 just repeat them in in your in your day repeat them in your day like just just constantly focus on it but also speak it and, and often when it says meditate when the when the Hebrews even to this day you go to Israel right now you'll see them at the western wall they're often you see them doing that that doving thing at the western wall what they're doing is they're repeating the Word of God, the book of the law, they don't let it depart from their mouth, right? They keep So they might say, like a promise of God, like say Psalm 91, they might say, uh, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And they'll just go throughout their day. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Or Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not The Lord is my shepherd, I shall know. And they just will meditate on that. They'll speak it. They'll they'll let mutterings come out of their mouth. And and let me tell you, as an old man, I, I, I just even need to remind myself sometimes, what are you letting come out of your mouth and meditate on that is contrary to the Word of God? And often one of the ways to possess the promise of God is to let it just be a meditation and a muttering that just comes out of your life. Why? Because you're fixing your focus on it. And so maybe 24 is a year that you stop old man mutterings, which you don't need to be an old man to do, by the way. And maybe it's the year that you just fix your eyes on the promise of God. So I'm not going to look at my circumstance. I'm going to look at the promise. I'm not going to look at my situation. I'm going to look at Him who made that promise. I'm not going to look at what I can see with my eyes. I'm going to use my supernatural insight of what I know of heaven. To be the focus of my faith. And that's what it looks like on a Monday. So, you got homework this week. I'm gonna give you homework. Find one promise. One promise that you can mutter throughout your day. Just one. You got 7,000 to choose from in the Bible. I want you to find one. Find one promise in His Scripture. then I want you to mutter it on a Monday, mutter it on a Tuesday, mutter it on a Wednesday and then on a Thursday and a Friday. Mutter it for the January, mutter it for February and you watch as God leads you into that promise. Come on, let's raise our hands to heaven right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would speak individually and powerfully to people. Lord, as we submit ourselves to Your Lordship, God, we want more of Your promises. We want more of of who You are and, and where You're leading us into, God. And so, God, we got two questions for You this morning. What do You want us to leave in twenty three, and what do You want us to step into in twenty four? What do You want us to move on from? What do You want us to let go, Holy Spirit? What promise do you want us to lay hold of? I just want to spend a couple of moments while you ask Holy Spirit those two questions. Holy Spirit, what am I leaving? Holy Spirit, what am I stepping into? Come on, you just spend a couple of moments and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit's just even reminding people of past spoken words over their life. Words that you've put on the shelf. Words that your circumstance has forced you to, to put in your rear vision mirror. And forced you to just st- set aside for the moment. Holy Spirit's saying, no, pick up that promise. I want you to put it in front of you. I want you to step into that promise. Just lay hold of it. Just because it hasn't eventuated yet doesn't make it less real than what my word has already stated that it is. There are some past prophecies that God wants you to pick up off the shelf. And maybe some dreams that God seeded in your heart. Dreams that you thought, no, that's impossible. I could never step into that. It's too many enemies. The, the cities are too fortified. The giants are too big. And God's saying, no, pick up the dream. Pick up the dream. It's a promise that that I've released into your heart. It's It's a word that I seeded in your soul for you to eventuate. It's already yours. It's the inheritance of Christ Jesus in your life. Now take possession of it. Take possession of it. Apprehend it right now. Pick up that dream. Pick up that word. State the promise. spend a few moments with Holy Spirit now and what I love about the corporate atmosphere of faith at church is that sometimes we, we need to borrow other people's faith you know there were only two people that went into the promised land from the previous generation one of them was Joshua the other one was Caleb and Joshua was from the tribe of Ephraim which means fruitful and, and Caleb was from the tribe of Judah which is which is praise and and, and often it's when we praise God that it produces the fruit of His promise in our life. And so, as an act of faith and praise for what you haven't even seen yet, but is about to be fruitful in your life, if you need prayer this morning to come out the front, and you want to, you want to borrow the corporate atmosphere of faith this morning, you want to, I'm going to invite the elders to come and, and pray. out and I'm going to pray with. If you need to borrow some faith, if your giant is that big, if your promise is that vast, if. If the enemies are intimidating you right now, this is the perfect opportunity for you to come out right now and you can go in with the, with the faith of others, of Joshua and Caleb's that are in this church that are going to lead you into that promised land. Faith is a it is a team sport. You don't journey by yourself. You journey with the people of God. So if you need prayer this morning, I'm going to open up this altar. You, you come now. You come. Oh, I'd love to pray with you. If you've got a dream in your heart, You've got to promise you want to step in in 2024. I'd love for you to come out the front right now. We'd we'd love to pray with you. Come on, it's going to take boldness. It's going to take courage. We'd love to stand with you and pray with you. Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.